same old trouble villains always knocking at the door pretty pictures on the page but nothing ever stays the Thank you, Vandello, and welcome once again to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri. And with me, as, as always, is the door closing on my lifeline. <laughs> <laughs> it's bare. Oh, shots fired. <laughs> and with us, once again, the lovely and talented, the lady that actually has to do the work to pronounce names, <laughs> the Baronessa, Miss Jennifer Howland. Thank you, Bear. Um, and as he mentioned, it's always my distinct pleasure to introduce our guests this season. Um, firstly, we have a very dear friend of mine, J.R. Killian Green, who has been so kind as to join us to talk about Lock and Key today. And then we also have another guest that I'm pretty excited about and can't wait to hear what they have to say. We have C.M. Alexander and Josh Kahn from Dairy Public Radio. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Woo! Yes, for, so for those who are not familiar with Dairy Public Radio, it is, first of all, another Eastern Iowa original. Woo! We love our Eastern nice. Iowa uh, connections. <laughs> our band, Vandello, who uh, does our theme music, is down in Iowa City, well, Oroville, Iowa City area, uh, and Dairy Public Radio is in the Quad Cities area, which is fantastic. In fact, I found out about them sitting in a brew pub where I looked up and there was one of their flyers and I was like, I like Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> which has led to me listening to almost all of their episodes. So uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming guys. This is, this is going to be awesome. That's why we put flyers in brew pubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works. <clears throat> for me to Good find stuff. guests. Uh, and then JR, you, uh, <laughs> we said this before we started recording, but you are the person that basically chased all of your friends around with copies of Lock and Key. I did. I did. Read this, read this, <laughs> read this. <laughs> so it was kind of a no brainer. Uh, so, uh, Dairy Public Radio, people may be asking, why would we have a Stephen King, uh, book club podcast? on this show. Well, I will tell you why. In case you really wanted Josh to pontificate on something, <laughs> guess what? You're in luck! <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we have done not, no Stephen King shows because, as far as I know, no Stephen King works were made into a comic book before they were made into a movie. Um, so we have found the loophole since Joe Hill, who is the author of Lock and Key, is, in fact, Stephen King's son. So... Uh, that's the way that I found to sneak in one of my favorite podcasts and CM and Josh were kind enough to say yes. So, uh, we will be, uh, working on their, on their expertise in the Stephen King, uh, field and its similarities to his son's works. So get ready. But this season, before any of that, one of the things that we've added in season three is that we have a drink that will go with each of our episodes. How did I forget about that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and for the first time, it's not me introducing the drink. I do know what it is because obviously Jen is far away. Not, not there, yes. Right, and I'm here. But Jen, what is so, our drink for Lock and our, Key? Our drink for Lock and Key is one of my favorite bourbons. It is Larceny Bourbon. Um, and show them the bottle. So, uh, yes, for for those uh, who can view, um, the logo for Larceny is a lock and a key. Um, I was going to do a sea breeze, but I'd rather have bourbon. 
<laughs> so uh, apologies to our guests for not this might sending be, them a bottle. But this might be the best drink that we've done so far this season. If I can, you're just welcome. Straight bourbon. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> yeah, you can tell that it was Jen that chose this one. <laughs> You mean I can just have straight bourbon? I don't have to have something funky like a snake bite or... And something that you like, you know? Red wine with ginger-infused rum and Coke? Yeah, no. That one was called a Judge Dread, and that was in our Judge Dread episode. It's an actual drink. It's better than it sounds. Arguably. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, The snake bite was for Venom, so we we did lime juice in whiskey and then for our tank girl episode we had cans of fosters because it's 90s it's beer which tank girl likes and it is the the most pop culture australian beer thing that i could think of <laughs> so, so so now that we have our cheers. our larceny cheers Woo-hoo! we bless this episode and <laughs> so uh new guests let's start with jr and then we'll move to josh and cm what is your background with comic books? Uh, you haven't been on the show before, so we haven't Not gotten on the show before. from you. Uh, how uh, did they influence your life? How did they influence it today? Where did, where did you get your start at? What was your, your first one? I didn't start reading comics until I was in my 30s, really. Um, and the first one I read that like sort of got me into comics was Fables. Um, and so I just booked my way through Fables. Um, and the second one was Lock and Key. And um, I think what both of them point out to me, because then I went and read Morning Glories and East of West and like all of these like image comics sort of where I lived. Because um, I didn't know you could tell stories like this until I was reading them. Like I didn't know that like how amazing a visual and narrative media could be. Like I hadn't done comics and I was, you know, and one of those people who was like, oh yeah, I mean like, Marvel and DC and all these other kinds of things. Not that anything's wrong with that, but I'd never seen this kind of like innovation before. That's what got me into comics. I will say if I'm going to talk about like the DC world, Constantine is who I went to over there. It's my boy. Um, otherwise, um, I just sort of like yeah, left. Good man right there. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so this is um, this was the second series I read when I started getting into comics. So it's pretty. And then he, and then this took me to reading Joe Hill. So like that 20th Century Ghosts and Heart Shaped Box, and so that that's how that's what my comic knowledge is. Awesome, Josh and CM. Uh, I think my my first exposure to comics was when I was in uh, grade school, and the X Men comics did a run with Pizza Hut. Nice. Pizza <laughs> Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Making people read so that they can get a free personal fan pizza. Like absolutely that's before. Book it and how. <laughs> uh, but the the first like series of comics I ever really got into were the Prime comics uh, because I went to a yard sale and somebody was selling just a box full of these comics I'd never heard of and so all my friends were reading Marvel and DC stuff and I had the, I have this obscure ass series of comics that only I know about apparently. <laughs> I dated a girl in Los Angeles uh, and she had gotten into comics in a similar way but she had somehow inherited the entire run of a superhero called the ferret <laughs> okay Love yeah uh, and and i had never never heard it. and it was as bad as you imagine it is, it was, it was, <laughs> you know I, I met that girlfriend and and things become more and more apparent the, the more i hear about her <laughs> moving on <laughs> 
So, uh, Josh, do you have any favorites now? Uh, now, I, I'm actually working my way, long overdue, working my way through the uh, the Walking Dead graphic novels. Because cool. the, the show lost me a few seasons ago. But uh, people kept telling me to read the graphic novel, so I started picking it up. And uh, and we have a, a local comic shop down here, Mellow Blue Planet, that uh, I walked in and I was like, this is what I need. And he just, he's like, here. Oh, also, I'm running a sale, so all of these are half price. And I was like, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been there. I did a, a day, actually the day that I found the flyer that brought me to you, to you all. Uh, I just, if I go to a town, I've done it in Little Rock. I've done it basically everywhere I go. The uh, My stepkids were at a Smash Brothers tournament uh, in the Dubuque area. So I just typed in basically like comic book store and I just went there. <laughs> uh, so that in gaming, like board game stores and things like that. And so, yeah, I've, I, I have been to the store that you mentioned. So feel free to plug away, by the way. Uh, CM? I got into comics probably about 10 years ago, and it started with Transmetropolitan. Nice. Not after my own heart. Josh just swooned a little. I did. (laughs) I've mentioned Transmetropolitan several times on this this podcast. Uh, Yeah, several times (laughs) per episode. Uh, yep. I've thought about getting the spider tattoo. Nice. I just love it so much. And then I really got into Planetary and Sandman. So Warren Ellis, Neil Gaiman, just love them. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Do you have any favorites currently? No, I, I I got like the really big books of all of those on my shelves mm-hmm. and I reread them then. Mm-hmm. Now I'm just desperate for more. Yeah. Well, we've got plenty of recommendations for you. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because well, my current favorite to... would be Wicked and Divine. That's what I just finished. Oh, so yeah. That's Wicked so and the good. Divine and so uh, good. Uh, phonogram and phonogram yeah mm-hmm. that's yep. saga is good too yeah uh very much in the same vein i do find so transmetropolitan is one of the few comics that i have not gone to graphic novels on i still have the one to 60 original run um and in fact i have uh usually we're in a different room when we record when there's all three of us and i have my wall of comics and i have uh number one signed by Derek robertson so that's like an awesome you know little little thing i went and saw him at a convention and everybody else was bringing up x-men comics and like he was doing a nightcrawler run at the time and i was like here's a transmit number one he was like you sure you want me to sign this like <laughs> i'm like yep not gonna never gonna get rid of it so you go ahead you can even put my name on it let's do this so he actually put a little smiley face with the three eyes on it and, <laughs> um but yeah transmet is is amazing but a little difficult to read right now uh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, and when our Judge Dread episode drops, which is the last episode we did before this one, that's another one. It's a little, that was, little hard. That one, that one hit a little close to home. Yeah, yeah. So, um, awesome. Well, uh, welcome everybody, and and I'm glad that we can uh, be here to talk about Lock and Key. So, first impressions reading it. First of all, of of all of us, how many for how many was this the first read? The first time that they had read it? It was my first time. Okay, uh, not Jen's, I know. Definitely mine. Yep. And I've had it on my shelf. This is another one of those that I've had on my shelf forever and just never picked it up, never actually read it. So it was my first as well. Um, and so uh, this will be an interesting blend since. 
because we've all seen the Netflix series. Uh, and so it looks like about half of us read the comic before seeing the series and the other half watched the series before reading the comic. So this will be, this will be awesome. So I'm going to spin it back around and go the other way. So CM, what were, were your impressions uh, going into the comic? I actually did not remember it very well from the first time I read it. I read it when it initially came out and I was just excited to see what the differences were going to be because the, the series, I figured they had changed a lot of things because things just work better, you know, visually than on paper sometimes. So I was very excited and am kind of eager to pick up the rest of them now. I had borrowed them from someone, so I don't have them anymore. Nice. Josh? Uh, yeah, I I was in it almost immediately as soon as I started reading it. It's, uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. JR? I am with uh, CM, right? CM, am I completely yep. nuts? Okay, <laughs> I just, the second one. All right, I'm with CM. I had vague memories of the first lock and key somehow i have the fourth trade pretty solidly in my head for some reason because of so something that happens in it um Same. but uh the the first one i was like yeah they go here and then they go here and then shrug like i don't remember what's yeah. going on but uh <laughs> it was uh, now i'm i want to go back and reread all of them because i forgot how how out the gate amazing it is like it does not take long to ramp up Bear? oh i i burned through all of this when we were still during lockdown like both the the comic i i actually i think i'd seen probably the first episode or two on Netflix before you had told me that we were doing this as an episode and that you already had all the graphic novels and I was like okay well since I can't see anybody <laughs> I I think I burned through everything on on Netflix in a matter of like a couple of nights after work and if I remember it I think we did a mail like during the middle of lockdown we did like a mailbox like yeah mailbox drop, exchange, yeah, exchange yeah. like zero contact mailbox exchange where I picked them up and then like burned through all what was it four or five graphic novels in the course of a weekend yep and loved them both I loved the series loved the graphic novel like it gave me something to do during lockdown so jen i was uh firsthand watching uh and listening to your reactions but for the audience uh what did you think of the the graphic novel um i loved it and the first time i read it um when jr gave it to me I remember um, very uh, not patiently waiting <laughs> for the next trade to come out um, because uh, it was just so good. It was so good. And I read it so, in fact, I think the first one that you gave me, JR, I think I read it twice before I gave it back to you because it was just so good. And I'm like, maybe I missed something. No, gar, when's the next one coming out? <laughs> Yeah, uh, same for me. I mean, this is another one of those that I, I kind of kicked myself for leaving it up on my shelf for as long as I did. Um, although I am glad that I started it when it's complete because this is going to be the one that I keep reading in between reading all the other graphic novels for this show. Um, so this will be my my pleasure read uh, until I get to the end. Um, and, and yeah, because I just, I really love the depth of character that is somehow put into this like right away like it's not a lot of other comics would have done the okay these are two stereotypical siblings like there's the stereotypical older boy in high school there's stereotypical sister and then there is stereotypical six-year-old like boom you know what they are you know we're gonna give one weird hair to show you that she's edgy and punky uh <laughs> you know uh, and by the way, feel free anybody to jump in. Uh, we are not a don't wait. Don't wait for to be called on. Everybody cross talk. 
Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I found that I want to read more about these characters. And that doesn't happen in every graphic novel that we go over. In some cases, it's just, uh, I'm interested in the world or the situation. Um, in this, I'm following these kids. The key stuff is is kind of secondary um it's an interesting plot for sure but i want to follow this family well i think for me yes i want to follow the family but the key and and the history of the keys and where they came from and what all that i find that um almost as equally interesting um you know and i just love the way that joe hill is just a, an amazing writer and the way that he i mean go figure jeans right um <laughs> But, you know, just the way he draws you in by first, you know, what, what we're really hooked in by is the family. But then you start to learn more about the history and more about the keys and more. And it's, it's just, you know, you want to know what's happening with the family, but you're also drawn in to know, you want to know more about the history. What do these things do? Why, you know, why is this happening? Um, yeah. I just think it's fantastic. I think Joe Hill does the same thing that, that Stephen King does that I love so much, is that we we have a cast of characters who all went through something so dark and so traumatic that unfolds, it's not directly, you know, right, right out in front of you, but in addition to this one terrible thing they all carry, each one of them has a different, deeper darkness to themselves mm -hmm. that really colors how they treat everyone else around them. And so I, I think that layered love of, of despair and darkness just grounds these characters so much and that's why you get so invested. I think the to, to back off, to go off of that I think the thing that Joe Hill does and that his father does, I've not, I've just started reading Stephen King so I'm not an expert so apologies. Um, the thing that Joe Hill does is that uh, with his characters, they're not just their darkness, right? Because there could be something that's like a, something to fall back on, right? Like a, a trope, like they're just misery, they're misery burdens wandering around. Um, he is really good at um, using hope as an actual thing, like hope and light and goodness is not something stupid or weak. It is something that they look for and go towards. And I can't do anything about what happens later on in, in the series, but he... He does like like Joe Hill does in let's say heart shaped box where you it just gets downright terrifying and dark and sinister, but at the end has this blossoming of beauty, and he does not let those two, he lets those things be in balance. Um, and I think it really shines in Lock and Key, and you can already start seeing it in the first one with the you know conflict at the end. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. It reminds me since we're uh, I'm not sure about Josh and CM, but we're all gamer nerds. Uh, it, it reminds me of in the the world of darkness, like why Changeling is like probably my favorite of those games because there's that balance between you know your your fairy nature and all the light and 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 all this stuff and then the crushing banality of existence <laughs> on the other hand you know and and i really enjoy that struggle i really enjoy that story and i think you're right especially with um the the mom's alcoholism and you know which i thought they did brilliantly in the series um, and I would actually, there are aspects that I like, um, the comic over the show and then the show over the comic, depending on how they did it. Um, and definitely the mom story I prefer. And I'm sure it's, it's also, I haven't read far enough yet because we've just done the first graphic novel, but I really enjoyed the, the mom story in the, in the first book or in the, yeah, in the first, the, the Netflix series. Can I also add to that? Yeah. 
Because I think it's really interesting we're talking about how Joe Hill and Stephen King can balance these characters in these dark and light subject matter. I think it's cool that he also does that with the bad guys because mm-hmm. you do end up feeling some sympathy. They're not just a caricature of, you know, a bad guy. And despite myself, I did feel something at one point, one very small point for Sam. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, there's when you find out what Sam's life was like, because that they, they right. bring you back mm-hmm. to that, you're sort of like, oh, and I, mean, I can't do spoilers. And when at the very end, what is told to him, you're like, oh, oh boy. Like, I, you sort of feel bad for this twisted, twisted person. No, you don't condone their behavior, but you can see how they made the choices they made. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, and it's not, well, we, we had that same, that same feeling when we did the Venom episode. Yes. You know, like, because we watched or we read Dark Origins. And if you read Dark Origins, Eddie Brock starts off as basically not a physically abused child, but as like an emotionally and psychologically abused child. And it, it's it's terrible. It's awful. Um, you, you still can't condone the horrible things that he does later, but you understand why he did them. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, it, it is easier to feel sympathy for Sam than it is for someone like Dodge. And even though they add in, you know, Dodge's backstory, at least it, it, as far as the, the show went, they got further into what made Dodge Dodge. Um, I didn't feel that sympathy like I felt for Sam, but I did at least see a, oh, okay, I, I kind of get what's going on here. It's not just, you know, evil for evil's sake, which is my least favorite trope. Um, unless you're going to do something otherworldly and Lovecraftian, like making something something evil for evil's sake in a human body, I just don't get. I, I don't understand how how a human being or, or the that's, shell of a human that's be. that that whole that whole idea though is just created for the fact of somebody wants to be able to have a character that walks in, kicks down the door, and kills something that's utterly evil and feels heroic about doing it. Yes. That's the only reason that that exists. It's a bad D&D game. Yeah, it's 100%. <laughs> so I'm going to kill Drow because all Drow are evil. And right. yeah, that's what we're going to do. Right. Meanwhile, I'm over here like Jim Ross going, that Drow had a family. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're talking uh, on the subject of the, the show versus the, the series, um, and I will get back to the Stephen King part uh, to, to lean on our experts a bit. Uh, what aspects... Of the, I'm not going to ask. Do you prefer the show or the or the graphic novel? Because I don't think I could answer that. But what I can say is, much as I have said, um, there are aspects that I really enjoyed. So, if you could choose one aspect that you preferred the show over the graphic novel, and then vice versa, um, would you be able to do it? With a, let's give it 45 seconds. Oh, yeah. To ponder it. Sure. I got my answer right now. Okay. Well, then go ahead. Go I can for it. Else their seconds. Uh, <laughs> hands down, it's it's the head key. Oh, yeah. The way the head key is treated in the show manifesting as a, a physical door that means something to them that they get to go through and, and see, uh, see their own personal world is so much cooler than just peeking over the top of your skull. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that is there anything from the graphic that you would choose uh, i feel like i would have i have some problems with the show that i'm sure we'll we'll get time to discuss but one of those is the is is the dodge reveal the dodge reveal mm-hmm. doesn't happen until like episode eight of a 10 episode arc in this first issue we get that from jump street almost mm-hmm. and i i like i like knowing my evil i like knowing the rules for my evil a little bit more so i like knowing that this menacing thing 
is out there and it has all these abilities and it's behind all these things <laughs> it just seems more nefarious i mean in the in the show she, she gets out of the well early mm-hmm. yeah right like super super early like episode yeah. one um <clears throat> yeah it was either episode one or two yeah because i remember being like well i guess we're going <laughs> <laughs> Off we run. Okie doke. <laughs> but there was that, I, I don't know, I think there was there was a big difference in pacing between the television show and the comic book. But I think they both they both did it right for their medium. Because um, I, I believe in the, in the comic book, a lot more keys came out more quickly than in the show. Yes. But in the show, we, we got a hold of some of the major ones first. Right. And started using right. them like boom, boom, boom. Like, okay, things are, things are happening. Um, well, also in the show, there was a lot of keys that you find that it takes an episode or two to find out what they go to. This is true, yeah. So you have keys in play, but you don't really know yet where they're going to go or what they're going to do. So it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it's Chekhov's gun, Chekhov's key. because in this show uh the show is really rusty in my head there's been many things that have happened between then and now i was riding a train at that yeah many, many horror movies have happened um uh in the show yeah they they clock through your ghost key and your head key and then the one that they invented for the show which was the mirror key and the music box yes yep and the anywhere key and the anywhere Anywhere key key. right like those are because the music box key i'm just it's not really spoilers i guess and the music box key in in the comics i don't think shows up until trade three or four like it right it's way back there and ups the ante so yeah yeah anyway go on everyone else have a wonderful time No, I understand what you're saying, though, like about the here we go, because the show compared to the books and it's one of the things that I liked about the show, I guess, coming into it was it does go to ludicrous speed. Like it skips uh, it skips light speed and goes straight to and now she's out of the well and now things are happening. And oh, my God. And, <laughs> you know, and now she's showing up to to terrify a six year old boy. And now she's, you know. And, and how that is done is the anywhere key. But the thing that I preferred in the graphic um, that I will allude to a scene, but not spoil it um, because I'll say what the scene is in the show. Dodge trusts too many people in the show with these items of power. Um, you know, if she wants to collect all of these things and, and, you know, wants the keys to herself, there, there is no reason to give Sam the fire key. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, I don't care who my minion is. I'm not giving one of my magical things that I would be willing to kill people. And in the graphic, the same results happen, the same escape happens in a much different, less... They they take a different path to get to the same... Right. To the same spot. Right. And I understand why they did it for the show. It just, to me, after reading the graphic, it seemed very out of character for Dodge to give up a key to anyone. Right. Yeah, the the escape in the graphic novel is a thousand times better. Granted, the effects of the fire key are really fun to see. Right, yes. Uh, Especially because, the I I mean, in the show, the fire key is the first key we see get used uh, immolating a house, which was fantastic. So and the a- person. 
Fun person. Also, for me personally, that was actually probably the the biggest thing that hooked me into the series was okay, guy gets a phone call and grabs some paperwork. He's he's very sketchy on what he says on the phone, and then immolates himself and his entire dwelling while his family is out. I'm like, okay. Now you've got me. What the hell happened in the past? Right. <laughs> that suddenly this guy's just like, nope, um, this is all bad. And bye guys, bam. Like, yeah. we're done. Like, what 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 did what happened? Now I want to know. The problem though is when we get to that point in the series, it didn't mean anything. It took so long to come back to that. Yeah. It That's really did. True. Yeah. It it did take a long time. Granted, but it kept me it kept me wondering. Okay. We got to see that kid get thrown on a, in front of a train though. And that, that, that right there was the moment I was like I was on a train actually going back from 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 downtown. I'm like on the L watching this and he gets thrown in front of the train. I was like, I guess I mean once again, like if anyone's here, like we are really going. This is <laughs> Dodges a lot faster in the draw than she used to be. Okay. Um bouncing around. Yeah, that scene was excellent. And I wonder she got that key from that kid so easily. Maybe that's why she trusted Sam with it in the show because he's not a lock, so she knew that she could take it from him against his will. And I sorry, I will always try to justify things that don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a very excellent skill to have on a Stephen King book club podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love him to death, but you know my my favorite uh, Stephen King book is actually The Talisman, where you can watch the areas where Peter Straub is like, take a take a break there, Steve. Uh, it's an ending is coming up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're currently reading Tommy Knockers right now, so CM's getting a lot of use out of that justification tactic. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, or when you get to the Langoliers. Best one. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't you threaten me with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> but the glass, Josh. The glass feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the the miniseries that it's claim to fame is that bronson pinchot was the best actor on it <laughs> i don't i yeah i don't know if i if i have a this was better in the in the series and this was better in the graphic novel i mean maybe one of the things i think that both do very well and i really like in the in the series is they let the siblings be close and fight, but be very, very tied together. Mm-hmm. Like there is a clear amount. That's why I so, also love the Umbrella Academy. There is a clear amount <laughs> of love that is between these family members, even when they don't quite know how to how to share it. Um, and in the graphic novel, that comes out in a very like tradi- like very normal narrative manner. And in the show, they just sort of let they do really good work of like letting Tyler. You see Tyler being really protective, and not because he has to, but because because that's who he is, and Kenzie being um, this, you know, very smart and, and crafty, and Bodie being very curious. But they're all together; they're all for each other. And I also really love the actress who plays their mom. I think she does just an exceptional job um, in that rather difficult role for this mm-hmm. for this kind of thing. She has to play on a completely different plane than everyone than than the kids are. Like the, the, all the mysticism doesn't exist in her world, but it affects her. Um, I think I like the the Dodge stuff in the graphic novel, like the slow draw out just a little bit. Well, granted, it's a graphic novel. So, I mean, like it's a, it's a series. So you want to draw it out to its perfect conclusions or whatever. But I do like that in the in the trade, at least. 
when you really get to know what Dodge is capable of, it all happens in this like snap. Like they, he, he leads you to this point where you realize that this bit, whatever is, is down there is not good. But when the final things happen at a uh, key house at the end of the first trade, that's when you really see what Dodge is capable of. And remarkably, it's not like the keys are sure they're a part of it, but uh, her there, I really feel like there is the right thing to say because the gender yes. keys used, right? Yeah. Yes. So their, um, their craftiness doesn't like really shine until like the last four or five pages of the, of the comic. And then it is, um, you know that you're in for a fight because if this is the thing that this person can plan and, and execute manipulating everyone around them, the locks are in for a really rough ride. <clears throat> yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Similar to you, I preferred a character from the series, and it was Scott with one T. I <laughs> thought that the guy was just so cool, way better than Gabe. Poor choice. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it. But um, I, I just liked the, the Savini group. You know, obviously I'm a horror fan, and that was really mm. fun to see. And then as far as the novel, I did prefer Kinsey in the graphic novel over her character. I, I just had one problem with her character, which was the, the fear monster thing, which was awesome mm. and cool and visually really amazing too but I felt like they kind of leaned on that as an excuse for her to do just dumb stuff like beyond <laughs> yeah. what you would expect her to do not having that element of herself anymore yeah no I agree it's it's as if I understand what they were trying to do with removing her fear um, but that doesn't mean that you stop it doesn't take your judgment with your fear and that was the problem absolutely that I had is that she just doesn't consider anyone else who has fear <laughs> you know well, or, or their in, safety yeah but they, they do touch on that but later in yeah. the, in the trades i mean they do talk about that about how how removing her fear affects how she interacts with other people um and and the decisions that she makes and you know having healthy fear is a good thing um having zero fear can be very bad <laughs> and um and very you know, 90s no fear <laughs> so i think that i think that you know like we've we've touched on the netflix series really zoomed quickly through a lot of the narrative um in the graphic novels that you know i understand needing to compress stories to make make it interesting enough so you're not having three and a half hour long episodes um, but I feel like they may have um, skipped past a lot of things that could have created some really great dramatic tension and build, especially when it comes to Dodge or Echo, as she, they are known before Dodge uh, comes out of the well. Um, yeah. yeah. I guess um, as somebody who has not read the whole series and has only read the first graphic, the way that the first season ended, I'm I'm just wondering what else do you have i mean not knowing how much they really covered in the series obviously having only read the first graphic it feels like they went super deep into the other graphic novels and i'm wondering what story there is left to tell especially when you're looking at you know you have another season coming up you you know how many seasons can you do with six graphic novels could you remind me what happened at the end of the series because all i can think of is what happens in alpha omega which is they open the omega door oh well so, they open the omega door and at right, the end of but the that's, series and yeah. they think they've 
yeah, they think they've kicked Dodge into it and they have not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the yeah, the final episode of the of the series on Netflix is the Shadow War kind of okay. sort of sort of um but then, you know, they think that they've thrown Dodge through the the door and um and then other people are possessed because the door was open. Because the right. door was open. Mm-hmm. Uh all okay i need to go back and rewatch the series and then get in my skull like what so in like what i remember like just off the top of my head by the time you made it to episode to the music box episode, i was thinking episode three or four by the time you make it that far you have hit plot points of welcome to lovecraft and the shadow war and uh head games and just like one three four six. i was just going where how how are you going to the only thing you've got left is to open up a grandfather clock and that's going to really basically just do everything else so where are you going to go with this i wonder um i wonder though if that's not just a product of modern tv series like you got to get you got to get season one out there you got to see what kind of ratings you're going to get you got to see if you're going to get a second season and so you want to kind of start telling plot points and you want to draw in as many people as you possibly can. I'm kind of wondering if that's not why it seemed like the series was maybe paced much quicker than the graphic novel was. If it didn't have, you know, a Hollywood component to it, like this is what we got to get going so that people are super interested so that they come back for and get us another season. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I, I feel like this is going to be a very weird way to phrase this. I feel like this show was not made for Netflix, but it was made for the CW. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because so it, it's so neutered compared to its source material. They shy away from so many of those dark things. And we've seen dark shows on Netflix. We, we've mm-hmm. seen that these things succeed out here. And I, I think what they were going for was uh, one of those uh, traditional, you know, uh, Buffy, Angel, Super, Supernatural, uh, Monster of the Week shows, except for this was Keys of the Week. And that's <laughs> why it jumped so erratically, because every episode we're introducing a new key, a new key a new key and and i feel like that took over too much we i feel like we we lost what makes that graphic novel so intense and so enthralling because we we hit those plot beats uh with the keys every every episode yeah it'll be interesting to see oh keep going uh, I, i was just about to say i feel like there are two kind of schools of thought or ways you could do that there is what lock and key did which is just take the material and you're right just introduce 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 keep the plot moving keep the plot moving or as we've done an episode uh last season umbrella academy which is okay cool so take this aspect but now add add a lot of backstory add a lot of like character development you know beef it up in that way so the pace is about the same as the comic book is but we're spending more time on the aspects that may have been missing from the graphic novel and that's why when we talk about umbrella academy like we'll keep reading it but the show made us care more about the characters absolutely mm-hmm. right jr what I, were you gonna say well no i can't remember that's that's <laughs> really what i'm i'm old now and i don't remember these things um well, until you remember welcome welcome to podcasting welcome to podcasting i I agree with um, that there's a CW aspect. I do wish that they had gone darker on this, but I don't know if they knew what audience they were going to get because they it when it when it got advertised right it's based on the graphic novel by right joe hill slash Gary. and i don't know if the producers knew how to 
aim on a more umbrella academy edge of things to less or like a dark side of things um when they knew that like all of these different like people were going to come running at them from a lot of different perspectives and still keep all of us who have read lock and key let's be real lots of people have read lock and key lots of people out there who are watching the netflix show have never heard of lock and key so and this is the third attempt third fourth third supposed to be a movie yeah there there have been other incarnations Uh, i was doing a little bit of research um none of them did very well at all they got um, off the ground even right they did a, they were supposed to be a movie that went nowhere they filmed a pilot for the fox version of this what was supposed to be on fox and it was excellent had a really great cast had a really great um story right there's you can find it out there and it's a pretty decent or at least clips of it it's a pretty decent um version of uh of lock and keep like the main like all the clips are at key house um and then and then this one so i mean by the time you make it to round three i guess they might have been like we're gonna we're gonna make this fucking thing successful god damn it if it's the last <laughs> thing on this earth that we do <laughs> so we're gonna so it'd be interesting I, this is what i was gonna say it'd be interesting to see if if season two doesn't allow them to kick further onto the darker joe hill side of things because they've established who they are and they don't have to worry as much and they can sort of go a little bit harder or deeper into some of the aspects instead of skipping their stone so it'll be interesting interesting to see if that if that happens or if it stays where it is that because i watched uh, nosferatu Mm -hmm. i had the same feeling about that kind of cwe maybe i'm not sure if it was just the way it felt or looked so i was worried that this would continue in that vein but i hope that they do let them uh, explore that a little bit and go a little darker i haven't i haven't seen nosferatu i've read most of nosferatu i haven't seen nosferatu and i haven't watched it because i was like i don't know how you do this as a thing like like (laughs) how are you going to how are you going to do this and keep it like as as crisp and and, and and dark and crazy in a television show that people who aren't necessarily like Joe Hill fans are going to consume. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll keep that in mind. I'll keep just put that there. I would give you I would give you a thumbs up, CM, but I know you hate hand gestures. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a note in their their show when they did Kingdom Hospital. There is and and CM look away because I'm going to do it. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's a symbol. They blow on their thumb and their pinky goes up. How did I feel that somehow? (laughs) You felt felt the breeze of that fresh morning air all the way through our microphone. Oh, Oh, gosh. Uh, Cool. Uh, What the fuck is that supposed to mean? (laughs) It doesn't. It's, Absolutely not. I, I highly recommend listening to all 13 episodes of their their coverage of Kingdom Hospital for the reason that if you're familiar with Kingdom Hospital, they're watching it for the first time and they watch it episode by episode. And my favorite thing is when they're like, well, I really hope that this comes to something. Meaning something. And I'm just sitting here going, no, oh, you you poor bastards. <laughs> we feel Sweet sorry. Summer for you. children. Yep. Uh, there's one thing, and I'm gonna probably get in trouble with the Stephen King book people right now. There's one thing <laughs> that I think Joe Hill does better than his father is wrap it up. Um, yes. And if you see, especially his, I mean, he's really great at short stories. I think Joe Hill like shines in short stories, but like when he gets in a novel, he knows how to like finish the circle and close up most of the things that he's put out there. This is not always true with Stephen King. Not always. (laughs) Sometimes he has Peter Straub to help him. (laughs) 
Um, I have not yet read the book that uh, Joe Hill and Stephen King wrote together, where it's like the Sleeping Beauty, all the women fall asleep yep. thing. Um, I have not read that yet. And I'm curious to see if there's that relationship there as well, where Joe's like, all right, pops, go take a nap. You know, it's... <laughs> there's a sandwich on the table. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the one thing that I really did enjoy uh, in the series that's a blink and you miss it is that Joe Hill adopted the Stephen King cameo. Yeah. Uh, he shows up as a paramedic yeah. um, in, in one of the episodes and he looks like his dad. Yeah. Yes, he has aged to be his father. That's yes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, because at first I was like, oh my God, is that Stephen King? I'm like, no, no. No, that's way too young. It's way too young. And then I was like, so I'm like, Google foo. I'm like, yep, it was Joe Hill. Joe Hill put himself in the... <laughs> in Google the Foo, I told you it was him. Did you? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Wife Foo. <laughs> <laughs> wife Foo, which is different than Waifu, so that's... Yeah, I was about to say, let's watch our Japanese there. <laughs> Um, so what other aspects uh, of Stephen King do you see in in Joe Hill? Um, I mean, we've kind of touched on some of them um, and some differences, obviously, with the with the endings. But do you see any of that influence or do you see them as um, as no more influence than anyone else that came after Stephen King would take from him? I see. I see a lot of influence and I see a lot of similarities in some of Joe's work. But what I love about him is that you, you know, you have a book like uh, I want to say Horns maybe. No, well, Nosferatu is very reminiscent of a lot of Stephen King things for me. Um, the stuff with the car, you know, Christine, all of that. And then you have Horns, and you have some of his short stories, and you really see who he is in those. And it can be very different. So I think that he does a good job. From what I've read overall, and I haven't dove into Joe Hill entirely, but I think he uh, has taken inspiration from his father, but he's also done an excellent job of finding his own voice and being true to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I got into Joe Hill through this but then i read 20th century ghosts next and his voice is so beautiful throughout mm -hmm. that in fact like 20th century ghosts the title story is probably one of my favorite and i guess you could call it a horror short story maybe but it's a romance horror mm -hmm. romance and it's it's just completely new completely different i speaking of nosferatu though i mean joe hill wraps nosferatu into stephen king's universe in his own novel so in some ways he was like that's the book where he was like no it's me and my dad like <laughs> it's we're gonna this is me and the shining and maybe a couple of other places we're all just gonna have a good uh key house shows up in there so it was an interesting thing but yeah he told to do that too yeah very bold he's huge and i i can't imagine the decision that went into you know deciding to do that that's that would have been terrifying for me well and thinking about how much shit his dad got for you know how much shit stephen king gets for for better for worse i mean justified or not but in the way that you know he ties as much as he can into the whole dark tower everything and you know even putting going so far as to put himself you know in the universe which we could argue on that for days but I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things that like if you're going to do that you have to do that knowing that a people know you're his son and that b you know they see something like you know your graphic novel main building showing up in your book you know the first thing people will jump on is okay well where where does where does horns or heart chick box or all of this like now i gotta comb through it and look for clues to where all the worlds interact like you know they have and everything else i just 
that's crazy to me, you know? And the great thing is, is that Stephen King built his own back door out of any of those scenarios with the Dark Tower that uh, we've, we've talked on our show a couple times that, uh, you know, adaptations the, from the books to movies, not always the same. Sometimes there's major changes. And because of the lore of the Dark Tower, you can say, oh, this is the same thing. It just happened on a different level of the tower. It was like the the massive change with the Pet Cemetery remake. Same base story, but things happened a little differently, and that's what you get on different levels of the tower. I should really read those, shouldn't I? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> See, my, my ability to justify anything has rubbed off. On <laughs> <laughs> Just happened in a different part of the tower. <laughs> All right, apparently I got to read Dark Tower now, so yeah, I can... Do. I'm like halfway through. I made through, it. Gun. I made it to Blaine. I made it to Blaine, and then I just I couldn't. I just couldn't anymore. The train killed me. Oh God, that's like right when it starts to ramp up. Right after that, from mm-hmm. after Blaine, it is nonstop crazy. Keep in mind though, I'm 41, so like and? I I spent my time being like, oh, I read the Gunslinger, and then they they had drawing of the three out at the time, and then I waited three years. And then the new book came out and I was like, oh shit, I should go back and reread those so that I am ready for the next book. And then I did. And then I read the third book and it ends close to the train. And then there's another like five, six years. And then I was like, no, I don't want to do that again. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't start reading them until they were all out. Yeah. Maybe now that they're all out, I can sit down and- I'm halfway through the gunslinger. And I would like for him to put on his running shoes and get to the fucking point right now. It, and it's it's just a struggle. I'm like, I know something's happening in this eternal desert. In his defense, he doesn't know where he's going. Okay, right. good. All right. So great. At least. From what I understand, JR, of things you enjoy and, and storylines and, and such, you will really enjoy Drawing of the Three. Drawing okay. of the Three is an uncomfortable book, but it's a fun book. Uh, because you have, you're not just following one person anymore. You start to get other characters and they are very, very different. Um, so you can at least find your favorite. The gunslinger is kind of a blank slate. Roland is not an easy person to be like, oh man, this is like Harry Dresden. I love this shit. I can follow him anywhere. <laughs> Roland is not Harry Dresden. Well, I'll uh, put it on my list. I've got, I've got the newest Dresden novel and then I've got to go back and finish the David Bod trilogy and then I can get to something else. <laughs> It's kind of reminiscent of what we're talking about today, too. If you think about it, you open a door somewhere. Right, yeah. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Although they haven't really started on multiverses yet in yeah. uh, in Lock and Key. I'm waiting for the multiverse door. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we, we don't really know what's on the other side of the Omega door yet. Well, yes. Okay, no, it's not a huge spoiler, but there is a reality. Oh, my reality. goodness. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love wow. <laughs> Uh, There's also a time key, which will also go fucking with things in a while. And my favorite, my favorite, the the splody key. I'm sorry, what? Splody key. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing, and I want. I know, right? <laughs> how many? How I mean, many is this is lock and key? Total? I'm sorry. How many issues of lock and key are there total? There's seven trades, I believe. Oh, okay. uh, the last. I'm looking for where I put it on the shelf. The last one is actually one issue. So Alpha Omega was one like 50 page issue that just basically came out as a trade. It was a paperback right. and then came out as a trade. Um, and trade number four or five takes a break from the story and does like small. Um, short stories about like the Bodhi, like the Locke family in Lovecraft 
that don't really that have clues towards the main story but sort of is like a short story collection and then goes back right. the history of the history of lock and key like the big history of key house doesn't show up until trade six um clockworks and then like all of the questions that you have that they, that he has been sprinkling throughout start to um be explained and click together because you get to watch them happen so he he doesn't even exposition dump you as much as put you back in these spots so you can watch all this kind of stuff. So I have not, not read any of the, what? So it's not like, you know, something like Lost, where they not only painted themselves into a corner, they then built a wall around themselves and died slowly, <laughs> like the cask of Amontillado. No. <laughs> no, no, they, they don't. I have not also, I also, I have not read the other, there are two spinoff lock and key comics one called grindhouse and another one they're like one shot things that happened in key house in the 60s when it was abandoned when no one was there hmm. so all of these different places don't remember well then there was um world war key oh this is something apparently i have to have to read. yeah and then there was um another series of short stories called the golden age the golden age yep yeah I have not. I have not read any of those. Anyway, back to the the story yes. at hand. So, I can't remember. I can't remember in the series. Um, one of my favorite. I don't think this is too much of a spoiler. One of my favorite things in the graphic novel is when Sam is in Randall Locke's office and sees the painting on the wall of the well mm -hmm. house. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't remember if they did that or not. If he in looked the through the. If they look through the well house and Dodge is yes, yes, they do. Writing. She actually talks to him. Yeah. yeah. In the in yes in the through the painting because yep, that's how he first gets really starts to get influenced by her right so this has been a, an awesome discussion we are running at an hour at this point so uh is there anything that anybody wants to get in uh one thing that i wanted to bring up is oh, man because you know i don't want to spoil it in the graphic novel by any means it's the comparison of the the weight that tyler carries around because of his relationship with sam prior to uh him sam murdering his dad is something that in the series it just tears through him and then you get the reveal he when he's able to ask sam about it the difference in response that sam has between the series and the graphic novel alone is enough to make me happy i did both yes uh and uh, i completely agree because so in the series sam doesn't remember tyler saying that in the graphic novel there's a very different reaction mm -hmm. Um, and it's so and sad. Yes, and it and it, it is it does go back to that. The graphic novel is a lot darker. Um, and I actually I don't know if I like that in the series. I feel that it was almost a cop out. Agreed. In the um, show. In the show. In, yes. Yeah. Sorry. The the show. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's kind of a cop out because uh, I mean, read the graphic novel, everyone, but you can probably assume what that there is. If we're saying there's a different reaction, that instead of nothing, there is a lack of nothing, or uh, uh, <laughs> something into nothing. Uh, we, we in the business call that something. <laughs> Don't you start with your fancy ass podcast terms. <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, it's, I did like that a lot more, a lot more in the graphic because it had stakes. Yeah. It meant something. There was something to it. You know, it almost gave me like an M. Bison in Street Fighter. For ah. you, it was the most important day of your life. And for me, it was a Tuesday. Like. <laughs> I, I need, I need that to not have happened, but I'm, I'm, I'm here for that, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
I think I, I agree as, as well. And I think one of the things that, I mean, I really, I love the, the, I love the Tyler of this, of the, of the Netflix series. I think he does a really good job. Um, I think he could have handled this kind of weight, but the, the Tyler and the graphic novel is just burdened by the, throughout this entire thing. And you really understand why he feels the way he does and why he's sort of why he's separating himself from everyone and trying to grieve in his own, in his own way. And the one in the, in the series who does an excellent job as Tyler, absolutely excellent job as Tyler, doesn't have that to lean on. So I think you're right. I think they, they short they shortchanged him with a really good stuff yeah yeah i i think that they could have given that character a lot more depth in the show if they had even done a little bit of that sharing that burden of what that character is going through in the graphic novel i mean they do build it up in the show and so it is something that obviously he is carrying around and that he is trying to to deal with but it's the it's the denouement at the end like you know it's it comes of nothing in the series and it feels like oh okay cool he didn't even remember it so obviously it didn't influence his actions and we can move on right um, yeah you know, uh whereas yeah in the in the graphic he has to keep carrying it mm-hmm. um which you know may or may not influence his decisions moving forward we'll see um in the graphic um, but, you know, when it comes to like the second season of the show, it'll be a Tyler that doesn't have to carry that. You know, it's like almost a resolution of of his dad's death. I wonder if the only reason they did it that way is because they didn't know if they were going to get season two when they when they right. It's that whole yeah. right. the, Hollywood, like, the Hollywood thing. Yeah. Yeah, where you get stuck and like, it's, do I resolve this or do I not resolve? Like, what do I leave? What do I keep? I had this conversation a couple years ago. Actually, it might have been with you, JR, about about how more Hollywood producers need to be gamers because Hollywood producers- That was us. We did that. Yes. Hollywood, Hollywood producers seem to be these people that are like, like, this is a perfect example. Like, you can't just leave that character- stuck in the ether with that burden. I'm like, you don't understand what I do to my characters on a daily basis. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they were made to suffer. <laughs> I am an OG vampire LARPer, my friends. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have had a character that I've been playing for a decade and his life is all about like, when people ask questions, it's all about suffering and like his past and there's all kinds of unresolved threads. And I'm like, like why can't we do this? Why can't people handle that out of a character right. when they're um, in a in a production, in a show? I mean, even if you look at like some of the best stage productions, they don't always resolve everyone's stuff on stage. They let you like leave going, oh dear, like what are we, what are we supposed to do with that? Just, right. okay, curtain came down and I guess their lives keep going and I don't know where it's supposed to go from now. And I think that's something that makes really good art, really good art. And I talked over CM and I'm really sorry. And I'm <laughs> going to go back to you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's okay. I actually love what you said just now. I love being left with that discomfort and uncertainty. And I think that's why we love Stephen King so much. Uh, what I was going to say was I, I talked to Josh after I finished the series, the TV show, and I decided I probably wasn't going to watch the second season. But after talking to you guys, I think I might have to stick with it. <laughs> That's good. 
Um, I will say a lot of things are picked up the second few through. Um, and especially after reading the graphic novel, the first graphic novel, you get a lot more of kind of an, an appreciation of the characters. Um, I'm trying to remember what the season two book was that we did that I said the ideal for me is having read both, having watched and read the comic. And I'm, I'm blanking on it now. But there are some of these things that in order to get the full enjoyment of the the media aspect of the of the visual, um, going and reading the graphic novel, you know, is a perfect compliment because it fills in some of the cracks that you're like, oh, okay. Oh, I'll absolutely agree with that because, and if you've watched the show, this isn't a spoiler, um, in the show about, well, was it probably about four or five episodes in when um, they he finds the spirit key, he zooms off and finds the graveyard yeah. where his, was his great-grandfather? Yes. His great-grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Still there, still hanging out. And having watched it first and then read it, like my my brain just integrated the two of these, having, you know, done them so close together. And yeah, this was absolutely one of those things where I, I watched I watched it and then I read it and I've just kind of meshed everything in my head and right. one has enhanced my enjoyment of the other. So yeah, they both took different routes to get to the same place. And yeah, one we had to deal with Hollywood a little bit. Um and you know we were, we're going to make a first season. Are we going to get a second? Stuff like that. But right. there's there's so much there that like the bits and pieces that meshed so well. Like I felt I felt better about uh, Tyler as a character after having read the graphic novel i felt I, I felt more strongly about him in the series knowing that this was oh this was all the stuff that i missed that they hadn't haven't had the chance to show yet right so i mean i would definitely if you've if you haven't watched it all yet i would definitely go back and watch it all if you haven't read it definitely go out and read it like it's it's all i think it's awesome from both ends yeah i was just i i just took a moment to to look at um i don't know why i decided to do this like at the end of this podcast and not do it in the beginning because <laughs> that would have made much more sense uh to open up uh the lock and key wiki to be like okay so what are the keys because obviously i haven't read this in an age so right i remember enough um and when i was watching the series i'd be like that that's not book one <laughs> that's right that's really not book one <laughs> like we're <laughs> that's that's really far away um for example they are in that cave way earlier um mm -hmm. yes way way earlier like in the series they're in it and i was like you don't even like look at inside that place it's like book five i mean like they don't they spend all the time in an actual um the actual town and actual house more than they do anything else but i was uh looking at all of the different keys that are in there and thinking i don't know how or why or if they're going to get to some of these like the philososcope key or the time shift key, they've got to use that one, or yeah. the reality key, right. um, the splody key is in there. The, right? it's, um, it does what it, it's, it's, that's what's on the tin. Um, uh, no false but, advertising there. No false advertising there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I will, I will, I will be interested to see, and I will say, you know, the series was harder for me to get to than the graphic novel was. I mean, like I obviously tore through all of the graphic novels and was watching the series being like, something feels a little off. And obviously yeah. we have talked about what those little things off, 
but it wasn't it was one of the few times in a series where i'm like oh god they really cast the wrong person or this person isn't doing a great job like i loved the acting from the main four in just so many ways like i really just like my heart broke over for for them all the time i was like this is great like they're they're running this thing they're really doing a great job i'm i'm 100 to you not going just back the main in, four i mean Iceman did a great job Iceman. too all of them do (laughs) have their little moments but going back and looking at the graphic novel i'm like like tyler is such a rich character kinsey has such a rich and it's like five pages they they get to that point bodie is such a rich character um so i think that that the element of darkness that they sort of took out like they i feel like as we said probably hollywooded afraid like hollywood afraid to to go down i feel like that darkness sort of didn't let these incredible artists these incredible actors actually do what they could have done you can see that they're like on the verge of being able to take this down the graphic graphic novels alley and the script isn't letting them and so i i hope that they get a more rich experience in the second round um and can explore some of the actual darker elements of lock and key they all read it i know that much like they all talked about having read it or at least the yeah the adult ones have and so i hope that they are like could we maybe like (laughs) pull some of this in (laughs) that would be really neat if we could (laughs) yeah it's something that we've we've run into kind of again and again having done this show um, and not something that I thought about ahead of time is is the importance of familiarity with the source material that actors need to have. Um, our last episode was actually Judge Dredd, and we talked about the 1995 movie. Uh, uh, and about how Sylvester Stallone had no idea what was going on when he walked into he, it. He had never heard of the character when he signed on to play Judge Dredd. Um, he had never looked at a comic. He still didn't through the production. Uh, and he actually thought that he had signed on for uh, an action comedy. Uh, the director was a huge fan of Judge Dredd and was bullied by Sylvester Stallone until it was a, an action comedy. action comedy. So, yeah. So that's why we didn't get, until Dredd, you know, you just didn't see that character again because it's such a horrible interpretation. But then you look at things like Lock and Key or Umbrella Academy or, um, as we talked about in our Tank Girl episode, you know, Lori Petty understood what the comic book Tank Girl was. Nobody else did which is why <laughs> you have Tank Girl in a non-Tank Girl movie. Like it is it is the comic book Tank Girl and then nobody else really is on board for that character. It's like you took Deadpool and stuck him in somebody else's movie. Yes. Isn't that where which, he wants to be anyway? Yeah. Probably. That's that's where he was. Yeah, that's why I'm sure she had no problem with it. Right. But I looked up the other episode where we talked about the the movie and the comic book and how they complement each other so much that you are more fulfilled having read the graphic novel and that's the crow um oh my gosh that was that was the (laughs) what's that i i love the crow i've never seen the crow the novel's great the movie's great right (laughs) but they are very very different in their in their explanation and their like half of the comic is like is he hallucinating or are these things actually happening or is this some sort of symbolism that i'm just not getting and then you know the movie was was a a pinnacle of the 90s uh you know it is it is what it is but it is 
a visual representation, uh, a media representation, whereas the graphic novel had a lot more freedom. Um, but both are equally important if you want the whole experience for what that character and what that IP is supposed to be. So anyway, what I'm saying, JR, is read the graphic novel and watch the movie. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I, I have a... I have a random question um, that popped into my head earlier today while I was like, you know, like psyching myself up for the episode. Um, I don't know how, how nerdy everybody else here is. Did Was anybody else here reminded um, when, when they were reading Lock and Key or when they were watching Lock and Key um, of Fred Saberhagen's Book of Swords? Did this seem like a mini Never read Book it. of Swords? Oh, really? Oh, you guys need to read. Oh, okay. Never mind that question then. You guys need to go out well, and read Unless somebody else has. I have not. Uh, no. Nope. Put All it right. on the list. It's all right there next to the, in the ever-growing stack of things to read. Hopefully. <laughs> somebody else out there that's our listeners understands what i'm talking about and i personally think this is kind of like a mini version of obviously fred saberhagen's book of swords this takes place in a post-apocalyptic future magic comes back stuff like that there's a lot of wonderful magical swords out there um this reminded me a lot of that only on a uh more i don't want to say more cw level but i'm gonna say that just because i watched the series first um that that's kind of where where i was going with that so if you if you were a fan of those maybe check these out for the graphic novels this was i mean it was it was a great read look into that if anyone would like to be the one person that understands what bear's talking about you can write to us at graphicnovel.gmail.com <laughs> please nobody writes me other than like you know when, when i start talking about dune and then i get schwegler and jason and they just <laughs> you know post the same memes about voice guns and how you know i'm awesome man i i just really hope that the new movie doesn't have voice guns so everybody it's not gonna have voice guns (laughs) trust me what the david lynch movie had voice guns instead of the weird we we went on a dune sorry there was there was a jump there i'm not sure if you caught it listen it wouldn't be a graphically novel episode unless dune Dune showed up Listen, I'm, I'm here for two reasons. Drinking. All things drinking. are tune. All tune is all things. That's all I know right now. So anybody else with any other going one, going twice? Okay. So. Um, you don't count. I'm going to go a lo- around for our final question. Uh, it's the same question every time. Uh, I think I already know the answer for half of the panel, but so I'm going to start over with Josh. Uh, will you keep reading this series? Or keep watching. How about that? Or either or. <laughs> oh, I've uh, the second I finished uh, issue one, I ordered the second one on Amazon. Nice. I finished two. I'm ordering three. Like I'm into this series, and I'm so happy you guys invited us to do this episode because I don't know if I ever would have picked it up on my own accord. Awesome. So I will. I will definitely be reading the graphic novel, uh, and I'll definitely give season two a shot. But if it. Uh, if it doesn't give them a little more darkness to work with, I think I might not finish. CM? I also cannot wait to dive further into the novels. I I don't even know how far I got the first time, but I don't remember it well enough, so no harm in that. And like I said before, just through our conversation with you guys, I do now want to watch the second uh, season to see what they end up doing with that. So I'm excited for both. Well, it, it only took, let's see, this is, we've had 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. Only 29 episodes to prove that our model of getting people to read graphic novels works. 
30th time's the charm. That's right. Uh, JR, obviously you have read this before. I have read this before. Uh, now I think I'm going to be doing a reread because um, I got to the end of the first one and was like, oh yeah, I don't remember what happens next. So <laughs> I, have a general, I have a general overarching arc of where this thing ends up, but I don't quite remember where this thing goes and how we get there. So I definitely want to uh, watch again. I think I will do Lock and Key Season 2 for no other reason than because I'm like, this is sunk cost fallacy 101, but like I have... Um, waited for so goddamn long for this to actually hit screen that I'm going to support it. Damn it. Um, but I think that they, I don't think they did a bad job. So it's not one of those things where I'm like struggling. I just hope they can do something more. I would love to get back together with, uh, with my, with, with the, with the gentle people from uh, Dairy, Dairy, Dairy Public Radio and have a, have a lovely conversation about what they thought, think about the whole series when it's over. Cause it's just, it's one of my passionate, it's one of my, uh, passion pieces so anyway yes i will reread it <laughs> all right jen we're, we're on board there you go <laughs> fantastic yeah um i am uh in the same boat as jr um reading just the the first issue to for the for the podcast i was like oh yeah i need to read this again just you know i i think that i also have to agree um with the the tv series uh, there were moments where I wasn't as engaged with the series as I have been with the graphic novel. The graphic novel just grabs you and you just can't stop reading it. Um, so I think I'm probably going to do another read through um, and um, will most likely um, give the TV series, the Netflix series uh, and the second season a go. So uh, I should also point out that Jen is not a person that when you're watching something and she's seen it before you, that she's like, Oh, make sure you watch this. That's me. Uh, I'm the person that's like, make sure you're paying attention. This is important. Like, uh, but for this series, she could not hold the parts of the series that she did disagreed with because she was like, well, in the graphic novel, and I had to be like, hey, um, can we dial it back? Because I have not read these. But uh, yeah, they were. It, it's definitely going on the list of shows, much like in five days when season two of Umbrella Academy drops. Yes. <laughs> it is. Definitely I have feelings. Up. I have very strong feelings about this. And Jr. Yes, about Umbrella Academy. Oh, I have very yes. strong feelings about I, that I have as very well. Very strong Umbrella feelings Academy about Umbrella Academy. Amazing. Stop I am. Um, I. I. Uh, it's. It was Netflix's birthday gift to me because it comes out on my actual birthday. <laughs> nice. Um, and and I. I have. I could wax poetic on Umbrella Academy, the show, for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bear, will you continue to read? I will. I will continue to read. I will continue to watch. I will. I will just continue. This is uh, out of all of the episodes that we've done. Like this is probably in my. In my top five. Well, and and I can tell you that I will uh, give you the first and second uh, because we were hit. We only had the first and second books in the house, and then we were at Mayhem in uh, Des Moines, and they had a pack that was all seven. And Jen was like, "Well, mine now," and so. <laughs> 
I'll, I will definitely yeah. keep reading, and I'm I'm looking forward to season two. I, I want to see more of what they do with it. I, I hope they they shy away a little bit of, uh, from that kind of CW model that they've got going. Um, slow down with the pacing a little bit. Take their time. Develop. Do some more character development. Do some more deep dives. Do some more. Uh, make things a little bit darker and grittier. Um, but I think they've done a decent job so far. Yeah. Same. Uh, I, I mean, I will keep watching it because Jen has already said she's going to keep watching it, and that's just how we roll. Um, but uh, I really did enjoy the series. Um, and I will read all through all seven. Um, cause I'm really, really curious. I do like the characters, like I said, uh, and it's, it is rare for me to like character over story or substance, um, and want to follow a character. So I'm going to follow that and see where it ends. Um, I think the last time that really something like that happened was probably Sandman and following Morpheus. Um, I mean, the things that happened around him were interesting, but the character himself is going through so much change that it's really, really interesting to watch his journey and that's what did it for me um and hopefully that you know tv series will come out soon so we can do sandman on this show uh (laughs) yes please yes well in the meantime there is the audio drama on audible and it is fantastic um but anyway there's also a lock and key graphic. They did this as an audiobook on Audible. Really? Yes. Yeah, yes. with Tatiana Motley, oh, uh, or whatever. The girl, the woman from Orphan Black is the mother and a whole cast. So I have not listened to it. I own it. I have not listened to it. So we'll see. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, J.R. Green, uh, C.M. Alexander, Josh Khan, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a blast. Uh, it's it's something fun to sit down and do when the world is ending. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully, when the world is not ending, we can all uh, the halfway point for everybody would be the Quad Cities or the. Well, also you know. just another reason for everybody to read Red Saberhagen's Book of Swords because let's talk about <laughs> world, world ending. Um, that's 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 a theme. So well, before uh, you wrap up, yes. um, do any of our guests have anything that they Ooh, would plugs. like to to plug or pitch or talk about before? Before we finalize the episode, uh, yeah. If you want to want to hear more from us, we're uh, Dairy Public Radio, a biweekly Stephen King book club podcast. Uh, you can check us out. We go. We don't cover a single King book in every episode. What we like to do is take a King book and get it into easily digestible chunks so that we can have in depth conversations that that aren't just about the surface level plot, the deeper meanings of things. And if that's something that uh, your listeners are interested in, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Great. I would highly recommend if you uh have not seen kingdom hospital you're not interested in kingdom hospital which i understand it's kind of a niche thing um the breakdown of the stand was probably one of my favorites that you guys did um because again easily digestible that's his favorite like that's my uh, when i'm sick yeah i put on the stand like (laughs) it's it's the it's the movie that you know keeps him like asleep on the couch stuff like that yep Absolutely. I give you a look of okay. I'm ask, would would you go to Vegas or would you go to Colorado? I would go to Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and thankfully through you guys I also found out that there is a uh there is a Twitter account for Mother Abigail which is wonderful. Uh and <laughs> she is fantastic. Honestly, I know like a couple days ago cuz we were talking about this episode and how it was going to happen and you busted out your copy of Kingdom Hospital and said, "Hey, we need to do a rewatch again. It's been a while. I honestly think we should do like watch our episode and then listen to their Oh, listen to theirs? And then watch another.
other. Yeah, I think, I think that's what we need to do from now on with the with our with our rewatches. Nice, excellent. I'm down. That we're going to start that tonight. That's fantastic. <laughs> perfect. We were talking about things we're going to do after the show. That's perfect. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. For example, uh, by the way, the their episode titles: uh, "Tall and Blonde and a Dick." Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my favorite title out of all these, though, was "WCW Saved Us All," but that's also because I'm, old, I'm an old He's school wrestling old school fan. Wrestling fan. <laughs> that was a great moment. Also, oh my god! Yeah. If you, if you would like, uh, we have a third co-host, Ben Graham, who wasn't able to be here today, um, but he wanted to pass on how much he's read the entire Lock and Key series, and he absolutely loves it. Also, um, but if you want to hear one of the greatest moments on our show from Ben, I highly recommend listening to the Long Walk series. Um, and here, just the end of the Long Walk series is one of the greatest thing Ben's ever done on our show. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, yeah. obviously he was a Ben, so he had to do something great. Well, yes, like, Bear like, is like, actually a Ben. So, for those of you that didn't know. So we've got a Josh and a Ben uh, yes. and a Jennifer. We don't have a CM. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many people really have a CM. <laughs> just, just me. So far, just us. There well, we go. You, you in professional wrestling. You in professional <laughs> wrestling. That's true. That's true. You might go to AEW. I can still hold out hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, thank you so much. JR, do you have anything to plug? Any, any? Uh, the only thing that I have going on uh, that would be pluggable is Treetop. Um, not his actual name, uh, but some people here know Treetop. Um, and I wrote a, have been writing a tabletop role-playing game and it is in editing and will soon, which I'm doing. So it's not like, it's not like a real exciting thing where I've sent it off to somewhere. It's me staring at my own writing going, what the fuck did I do for the last, you know, <laughs> five years of my life? Um, Try listening to your own voice for hours, right? hours, <laughs> hours, hours, and um, just be like, "Could you just not fucking use um and like?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're we're it's editing, and then it'll go to layout, and then we're gonna have it as a pay what you want deal, so that we can get a um, more eyes on it to tell us where I didn't edit well. I need to put another comma, and they can scream at me, and then we will put it out. So I am actually going to have a book out, um, hopefully by the end of the year. So if you would like to. Uh, play the game of Knightsbridge. It will be. Um, I, we're aiming for fall. We said summer. It's never going to. That's just not happening. So <laughs> we're in the fall. Maybe October. October. We will. Like we will announce it on our Twitter when it comes out. Uh, that's graphically novel without the e in novel, uh, because we apparently ran out of letters in Twitter. <laughs> Uh, so we had to go license plate with it. Uh, <laughs> I'd also like to point out that if you're on Twitter, you're only talking to Josh because none of the rest of us care enough about Twitter. Well, sometimes I bring you in, but yes, well, the, yeah, face, yeah. the Facebook is mostly in. you and me. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we do have our Facebook. We have Twitter. We still have a Twitch. We have a Twitch. And for the love of God, if that if we ever start doing videos on that, um, we better be making some money because I do not want you people to see me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you all so much. This has been Graphically Novel, and uh, we'll end it like we always do and ask, take it away, Vandello. Come with me. I'll tell a story that you might have heard before. Novel, but the same old trouble villains always knocking at the door. Pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays.